Water can wash us clean in more ways than one. The story of Noah demonstrates the awesome power of God, as well as God's love for us through the new covenant. But in Jesus, we experience a different kind of flood. The gospel message, the good news, is that by his resurrection, Jesus Christ has conquered death. He has redeemed us from sin and offers us eternal salvation. And all we have to do, all we have to do, is truly repent and follow our baptismal call. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the first Sunday of Lent, cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. All right, as I said, today we'll be looking at the readings for the first Sunday of Lent, cycle B. Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 15. Our second reading is from the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. And our gospel reading is from Mark, it's chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Genesis is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while Peter's letter is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Tonight, we'll see that we've got rainbows, but no unicorns. Peter says, water removes more than dirt. And Jesus tells us, the time has come. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the book of Genesis. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Our second reading is from the first letter of Peter. Beloved, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the Spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah 
while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And our gospel reading is from Mark. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from the book of Genesis, this is one of the most well-known verses of the Old Testament, or at least the gist of it is well-known. The story of Noah's Ark and the rainbow after the flood, the sign of God's promise to never do this again, this being a flood to destroy virtually all life on earth. It's kind of funny to think that my son's bedroom when he was a baby, our nursery, I guess, was, was decorated in a Noah's Ark theme. Cute little animals peeking out of an adorable wooden boat with pretty rainbows everywhere. I guess we didn't think about the fact that everything else on earth had just been destroyed by an incredible flood. But I suppose global destruction doesn't make for a pleasant nursery theme, right? But in looking at this reading, I had to consider its place at the beginning of Lent. In the reading, God has just literally washed away the sins of all mankind, not with the waters of baptism, but with the waters of a great flood. Of course, God made a new covenant with mankind and placed the rainbow in the clouds as a reminder to both God and to us. Maybe it's symbolic of Lent when we're called to prepare ourselves by trying to wash ourselves clean of sin. However, I did notice that God was very specific about one thing. In fact, God was so specific that it's called out twice. About halfway through this passage, God says, Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Actually, that's a twofer because the flood is specified twice in the same sentence. But then again, at the end of this passage, God says, Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. It made me wonder if God was specific on purpose. I hope it doesn't mean there's something else in store for us. You know, along comes a giant meteor and destroys all life on earth. You know, God shrugs and says, eh, It wasn't a flood. I didn't say anything about meteors. Regardless, the story of Noah shows us the extraordinary means to which God can go in order to wash away our sins. So the main message I got from this reading from Genesis is that God has the power to wash away the sins of the world. Yes, wiping out almost every living thing is a bit over the top, but the story is intended to make a point. As we enter into Lent, we need to understand that God has the power to wash away the sins of the world. 
Our second reading was from Peter's first letter, and it's helpful to know a little bit of background. First of all, biblical scholars think that this letter might have been written by Peter, but it's more likely that it was written by one of Peter's close disciples. However, they they do know the letter was written to a community of Christians who were being persecuted and ridiculed by their neighbors. So if you know the situation, then the first line has a bit different meaning. Here's that first line again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you God. The people, the, the members of this new Christian community, were suffering, but not because of anything they had done. Just like Christ, they were suffering for trying to bring others to God. Of course, we also see the tie-in to our first reading when Peter talks about Jesus going to make proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. So do you you remember the, the Apostles' Creed? It's similar to the Nicene Creed, but there's one particular part you might recall. In describing Jesus, it says, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He descended into hell. Why does the Roman Catholic Church include that in the Apostles' Creed, while some other Christian denominations say he descended to the dead? Perhaps because of passages like this one from Peter. If God washed away almost all sin, or all, I'm sorry, all life with the great flood because of mankind's sin, then those people aren't just dead, they're in hell. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, according to Peter, he went to hell and proclaimed to those imprisoned spirits. Peter wraps up this passage by linking the waters of the flood to the waters of baptism, which wash away our sins and and make us right with God. As with the first reading, this passage from Peter is important as we begin the Lenten season. Peter is telling us to hang in there. Jesus endured persecution too. It's worth it in the end. And know that your baptism prepares you for the salvation offered by Jesus through his resurrection. So the main message I got from this reading, our second reading, is that the waters of baptism prepare us for salvation. By our baptism, we are made clean. We die to sin and are reborn in Christ. And in answering our baptismal call to share the good news, we learn to say yes to Jesus. So the waters of baptism prepare us for salvation. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. This is a very short gospel reading, and it doesn't really say much about the 40 days Jesus spends in the desert. It does say that he was being tempted by Satan, but it doesn't say how, which sort of leaves you hanging. Okay, you're just going to gloss right over that, right? (laughs) He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and wait a minute, go go back to that Satan part? (laughs) You want to unpack that a little? Seems like it might be significant, but I guess that's why we've got three other Gospels, right? I think this reading is showing us that Jesus went through a time of preparation, 
And when he was ready to begin his public ministry, the first thing he said was, the time has come. For me, it it certainly creates a sense of urgency. He doesn't say, hey, hi, listen, uh, I'd like to tell you some parables. (laughs) No, he comes right out and says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Which also got me thinking about the word repent. It's definitely a word or a concept rather that's important for us to think about during Lent. You see, it's more than simply acknowledging our sins. I mean, let's face it, just because I acknowledge I did something wrong, and even if I apologize for it, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it again. To repent implies something more. It means that I'm really seriously going to try to change my ways. So when you think about giving something up for Lent, Don't just focus on something that might hurt a little and feel like a sacrifice. Try to focus on thoughts or behaviors that are either sinful or maybe they're causing you to sin. If you find one of those, why not truly repent? Why not acknowledge our sins and then actually try to change our ways? Why not try to eliminate that sin from our lives? So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that the time has come to truly repent. Lent may seem like a long time, and we know it comes around every year, year after year, but we need to try to see the urgency of Jesus' message. The kingdom of God is near, so the time has come to truly repent. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Genesis, the main message I came away with was God has the power to wash away the sins of the world. In our second reading from the first letter of Peter, the main message I got was the waters of baptism prepare us for salvation. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was the time has come to truly repent. Water can wash us clean in more ways than one. The story of Noah demonstrates the awesome power of God, as well as God's love for us through the new covenant. But in Jesus, we experience a different kind of flood. The gospel message, the good news, is that by his resurrection, Jesus Christ has conquered death. He has redeemed us from sin and offers us eternal salvation. And all we have to do, all we have to do, is truly repent and follow our baptismal call. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall, and we'll ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. To do this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, We should care because we believe in a life after death. It's that simple. During Lent, we're given an amazing opportunity to prepare ourselves spiritually for the resurrection. As Christians, we aren't a Lenten people. We aren't a people of suffering and repentance. We're an Easter people. We are a people of the resurrection, a people of new life. But you can't get to Easter without going through Lent. 
the Paschal mystery that Jesus suffered, died, and rose again is actually a cycle we experience throughout our lives. We suffer, we experience death or loss, and then we experience new life on the other side. Even though our gospel this evening didn't go into much detail, Jesus suffered in the desert for 40 days and came out of the desert renewed, invigorated, and telling everyone else to repent and get ready. How are we going to spend our Lenten time in the desert? Our answer to that question has implications for our journey of faith and for our souls. And the last question I try to answer, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, we're just beginning our Lenten journey, so why not spend some quality time really thinking and praying about what that journey is going to look like this year? Christians often struggle to unite our belief in God with what we actually do in our everyday lives. But as I've discussed many times, through our baptism, we're called to be Christ's presence in a world that desperately needs the good news of love and forgiveness. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Decide how to live your baptismal call during Lent. Don't just fall back on the old giving up candy or giving up beer or some other food or drink. Figure out what you can do differently to help share the good news during this Lenten season. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're trying to determine what your Lenten journey should look like this year, remember what St. Paul told the Colossians. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, we're full-time Christians, so during Lent this year, let's start acting like it. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Look at the readings we discussed or find something completely different. Read through it a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011, by Biblica Inc., used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.